Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. I wish my house came with a manual. (laughs) Truly. Like I legitimately, you know, this is my second home. I've owned a home for nine years now. And I am still baffled by the maintenance things that come up that I'm like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Now, part of it is in our second home, there's definitely systems, so sort of speak, that we just like literally didn't have before. Like sure. we have fireplaces now and we didn't have fireplaces before. We have an irrigation system now that we didn't have before. But even still, I am constantly baffled by the maintenance and I'm genuinely wondering who is teaching people how to maintain their homes? Because it wasn't my parents. Literally no one, in my opinion. (laughs) I think there is a tinier and tinier subset of people who are what I would call handy. Sure. And you and I have had this conversation about how like the labor industry or craftsmen or trades industry is dying and it is already impacting us, not us, like you and I, us, the world, as in like, there are less contractors and tradespeople and like work isn't being completed. And like, we've had a battle with trying to get a fence even put in with our neighbor and like getting people to show up and walking off jobs. And there's 10,000 different reasons behind all of that. But it's something that like Brian and I have talked about before too, in the sense of like, okay, we're not especially handy. I learned specifically some skills like from my dad or my grandpa, but I don't even like, I'd be really interested to chat with Brian about like, does he feel like his grandparents were handy or did they like hire out all the projects in their house too? Because everyone that I know besides you guys, literally everyone that I know hires out everything everything. That's crazy to me. Now, and I don't know if it's just because of how I was raised. So that's the weird line of like, I don't feel like my parents taught me anything about home maintenance, but they did teach me skills to become handy. Right. That's what I have. 
So like I learned how to build a fence. I laid tile. I've laid multiple floors. I mean, I've painted like, you know, I've done a lot of these different things, but they're pretty basic skills in the grand scheme of things. When you get into house stuff, like Plumbing is its own system. Electricity is its own system. And now I would imagine that part of it is literally just exposure. Like I didn't grow up in a brick house. And so. So like your masonry issues. Masonry, Mm -hmm. like maintenance isn't something I would have witnessed ever as a kid. Well, we were talking about how you remember how when we first bought this home, like three to four months in our basement flooded. And we came back from a movie to six inches of standing water in our entire finished basement. And our basement is like almost a thousand square feet. So like, it's not small, it's not tiny, but what had happened. And if we had been home one, we could have maybe figured something out, but we still wouldn't have even known entirely what to do because we had a sump pump that ultimately failed, but there's even a quote unquote, fail safe on a sump pump that fails and you just like have to pull a certain level and it will lever and it will manually run the sump pump until the motor burns out basically is how long you have to do that. I only know that now because our basement flooded. So that's what I'm saying. (laughs) It's like, why do we get to learn things after it's too late most of the time? Mm -hmm. And then we, I feel like we all go on these rampages is the wrong word, but like we end up trying to tell everyone we know. Cause oh, we I will talk to stuff. anyone about sump pump knowledge. <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. It's like, it feels like a mission now that we must yep. educate and say stuff about horse powers and emergency backups and how big the hole needs to be like everything. <laughs> uh, yeah. And like, you know, I'm over here like, did you know you need to seal your brick every so many years? Did you know that if you don't, like maintain brick that like it'll literally break apart like what yeah (laughs) yeah girl I don't know I don't know I feel like if you're a realtor listening it would be a great thing to start to explore to have some sort of relationship with a handy person in your area that maybe gives some sort of training and walk through and it's even just home. like literally it's like yeah it's a like walk through of basic mm-hmm. stuff you know we figured out on our own how and when to change our water filter sure, and like sure. our furnace filter like right. we're not totally naive by any right. means but it's just it's often bigger things yep Yep. That go completely like, I didn't know you were supposed to, other than, you know, you want to see your deck stained because it's pretty. Sure. Like, I didn't realize how many functional aspects there were to sealing or staining your deck. Like, yeah. and if you don't do it, the yeah. potential for wood rot and yeah. like what happens if, like, we have a $20,000 deck that literally needs to be bulldozed. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it wasn't protect. It's it only treks on top and it's, well, that's the problem is it's untreated wood on, on bottom. It, yes. It's treks mm-hmm. on top and untreated wood on bottom. And so like, <laughs> to be clear, you guys did not do that. No, that was on the house. Prior. That was on the not, house. I want our listeners to know that oh you did God. not make that mistake. <laughs> I didn't make the mistake, but like, I didn't even know it was a problem viewing the house right, because right, right. when we walked the house, it looked like, Oh, there's treks. Amazing. This stuff lasts forever. Yeah. And the Trex wasn't even installed properly. So like oh. the big part of the reason we have wood rot underneath is because they didn't install it with enough gap between the boards so the water can drain. And so then it pools. No. And like, 
I'm scared to have more than a couple people standing on the deck at the same time. Well, and it's a really high deck. So yeah, <laughs> it's like a liability. It's yeah. a liability. Yeah. I don't know, dude. I feel the exact same where it's just like, I feel like instead of, you know, you all pay for inspections when you buy a home and the person goes through to give you the report, but they're not like educating you on no. the things. We need a part two because yes. if your parents didn't do it, and I think most didn't because I think a lot of our generation didn't necessarily maintain the homes the same way. And I think part of it is the change in workforce of like it used to have mm-hmm. the duties kind of split up in a way. And, you know, a woman might be home during the day to call a plumber to have the plumber come over and whatever. And then when you have two people out of the house working, there's no time to have service people come over. Like you have to take off work and like do all these things to make it happen. Yeah. And then they say their schedule and they give you a four hour window that they may or may not even do. Everything feels like a scam where they're like, you need this tune up and clean up. Do I? Yeah. Cause I don't know. You just want someone to trust. It's just, it's fine. We're navigated on our own for quite some time, but I just, I feel like I'm bleeding money all the time. Yeah. No, it's very stressful. It's very (laughs) stressful. And there's stuff we want to do that I'm literally just putting off because I'm like, that's going to be a whole other, like, we're going to have to hire a contractor and organize all the things and build a relationship. And that in and of itself could be a full-time job. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's not as, yeah. And it's usually not the project I find overwhelming. It's the, what will the project also uncover? Yes. Yeah. And I don't trust most people at this point because I've been burned so many times. Yeah. Yeah. By contractors. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry that that's going on and I don't know the answer, the solution. I wish I, there was. I'm, just, I, I'm truly all I'm wishing for the rest of you out here listening is, is find some people that can educate you, educate you and walk mm-hmm. you through your own house. Mm-hmm. Cause even mm-hmm. though I feel like I know a lot at this point, I'm still discovering new things all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and this like, if anyone out there feels guilty or feels bad for still renting and you haven't bought a home yet, oh. I am jealous of you. No, truly. Keep <laughs> I am renting. jealous of you. Keep renting. <laughs> you keep living that life. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It kind of goes hand in hand though with a conversation I want to have with you today because today I want to talk about boundaries. Now, I know this is not the first time and it probably won't be the last time we talk about boundaries on this show. Boundaries are one of my favorite things. It's like my favorite B word ever in the world. I like setting them. I like holding them. I like helping other people set them. But what I find really interesting is that when we have the conversation about boundaries and we lovingly push our clients to create, set, or hold a boundary, or even our team to create, set, or hold a boundary, it can be triggering for a lot of people to have the conversation about boundaries because it makes us reflect on toxic behaviors that we've allowed or that we've done or internal negative stories that we've told ourselves about why you might need a certain boundary set or if this boundary is set, what does that say about me? And it typically like falls into two camps, right? You're either the people pleaser person. So you setting a boundary feels like, oh, but I need to give more of my time myself to seem worthy or to feel fulfilled. So I'm not going to set that boundary. Or if you're on the, you're not a people pleaser, but you're like, you know, a workaholic-esque kind of person, setting that boundary can make you think, 
negatively about your work ethic or your productivity or your skills or whatever it might be. And I'm sure there's a bajillion other storylines that y'all have said over the years about boundaries. Well, I read this great article in the Harvard Business Review that broke down boundaries in a way that I hadn't heard yet. And so I wanted to share them with you because I feel like looking at boundaries in these two categories and then tackling it in this way can actually start to get you to do it. And that's ultimately what I want to happen. And so I want to walk you through boundaries. Well, and I want to put a note here that some of you are walking into this and you're already having feelings. Okay. And boundaries often bring things up for people. I literally had to have a sidebar yesterday with Jared, who's on our team. He's also my spouse. And he was like, man, we were mean today. And I was like, "Mm, buddy, nope, that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's a really big difference between being firm and communicating clearly and perhaps a more strict tone. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah, Fact-based tone. We, you know, probably in early childhood developed this like fear base around what it looks like to communicate in that sort of way. Yeah. And there are very clear ways you can do this and still be kind and still be compassionate and still be like focused on the fact that someone's human and makes mistakes and all of these things. Yeah. And I think that's what this exercise is really going to clearly help you do. Yes. So if you're walking into this already feeling like, well, I know I need them and I know I want them, but like, I just want to be nice all the time. Like, I am so freaking tired of our clients getting walked over constantly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you guys are being pushed around. And I don't even necessarily think it's intentional. Like it's coming from a place of you trying to go above and beyond. It's coming from a place of you being kind hearted and wanting to serve, but we also need to set you up for long-term success. And if you keep being soft all of the time, it's not always going to work anyway. Yeah. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And this made me remember a conversation I recently had with a couple of members of our family. So I'm the person who I will absolutely like send a mass text or mass email to like our parents, aunts and uncles, family members on directions of parenting with our child. And so like phrases I don't want used, areas of discipline I do want to use and don't want to use, how we tackle conversations, et cetera, et cetera. And so I had to kind of have a broader conversation recently about ultimately this, because what I see as being the like conduit for how now all of us act around boundaries and exactly the example you gave of like, oh my gosh, I felt like we were mean or I want to be kind all the time or whatever. It's because as children and we're doing it now, that's why we had to have the conversations because I saw when Penny comes and she's emotional about something. She's mad. She's frustrated. She's anxious. She's sad, whatever. Her body is going to react in a certain way. And sometimes that's reacted by tears or there's like a raised voice to it, or she's grumpy or whatever it might be. And I started to see a trend of people in my family being like, I'll listen to you when you're calm or when you're ready to talk then we can tackle X, Y, Z. And what I was realizing is like, ooh, actually I don't like that because that's us saying, I'm literally not gonna hear your frustration or your anxiety until you behave in a way that feels comfortable for me. And I don't like that. And so I think a lot of us have gotten accustomed to us having to behave in a certain way in order for us to even be heard and listened to. 
And I'm not saying that that's just magically going to disappear, but I think it's something we all do need to be aware of. Well, okay. well yeah. one more thing, one more thing. <laughs> <laughs> on that, and then we'll jump deeper yeah. into it. I think it brings up for me, I saw this recent thing, and it is in regards to parenting, but I think the same holds true for communication styles is when you see children pause and look at you and say, can I ask you a question? And you get this like frustrated, like, yeah, just ask the question. We have to understand the question behind the question. And the question is, are you listening? Are you actively engaging with me? Do you have time to speak with me about this matter? And I think the same is kind of true going into this of like, there are cues for all of this that we need to be paying attention to. Yeah, 100%. So ultimately, at the end of the day, what I want us to remember before I break down the two ways of looking at boundaries is that ultimately, boundaries are all about who we give power to. It forces to analyze why we may be not giving ourselves permission to work and live in the way that we want to, that we feel is best for our well-being. And ultimately, it's only up to us to decide how we spend our lives, what our schedule looks like, what our workload is like, etc. And if we don't put boundaries in place, then other people will make those decisions for us and resentment can breed. Boundaries allow us to decide when, how, and if we give the power, the energy that we have away and what that looks like. So ultimately, that's all that a boundary does is literally you harness your power and it's you communicating how and when and what mechanism you're going to give that power, that energy away. Okay. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So here's what to do. I want us to start to think about boundaries in two separate buckets. I want us to think about hard boundaries. These are your non-negotiables. Boundaries that you are unwilling to compromise on and need to act on immediately. So think of these things as things you will never do or never accept as reasonable. And this is in the work lens. So I'm not, you can do your own life boundaries, but for work, this is the example that this article lists. For example, I will never take on a consulting client that can only meet me on Fridays. That's a non-negotiable hard boundary, right? Then we have soft boundaries. These are aspirations. And I love that way of describing this type of boundary. So these are boundaries that are more like wishes and that you are willing to compromise on. Think of them as goals you want to reach, but are flexible around. For example, maybe you want to start leaving the office at 4.30 instead of 5.30, but other people, aka your manager, are involved in actually helping make that a reality. So you get to decide how you approach that conversation, what the scale-up plan to you getting to leave at 4.30 looks like, what days that you might not leave at 4.30 and you're okay with that. All of those that are more flexible and aspirational around that boundary. So it says, when you start to define boundaries as hard and soft, it'll become easier to figure out your non-negotiables versus the aspirations. And I think this is really important because when we talk to our clients about boundaries, everything feels like a non-negotiable. And when everything's a non-negotiable, it does feel rigid and it does feel quote unquote hard to get to, to achieve. And it doesn't feel like that there could be phases in order to work up to those boundaries. And I think looking at soft versus hard boundaries can present you options. Yeah. And I think often, you know, we have to think about what causes boundaries to be broken and the part that we have to be considering constantly is that boundaries are yours. Other people do not own them. Okay. And so you can see other people break your boundaries and you can respond to that a certain way. Or in some cases, you let them quote unquote break your boundary, but you just react in a way that stays true to who you are. So like a prime example of this is like maybe you have business operating hours and they're set hours 
you setting a boundary that's like, we only communicate during operating hours, one, isn't really that fair or reasonable for your client, but two, like you can't dictate when and how they respond. You can only dictate, your boundary can only be around your own behavior. And so when you start to make them rules for other people, it's much harder to uphold long-term. Now, that being said, like when we're talking about boundaries for kids and parenting, I feel like that's just different. Like, cause we're talking about like, I need you to adopt my boundary in your home because you're modeling the behavior I'm setting as a parent Right. versus in a business, you can set operating hours and you can have a client send you messages whenever they want. Mm-hmm. But if you're clear on when you will respond and only respond during that time, then you're good. Yep. Okay. So to help you get some ideas on how to brainstorm what your hard boundaries are versus your soft boundaries, first, you need to determine the top priorities in your work in life. So again, most examples we'll use here are in your work experience, your work life, but there definitely need to be considered together. So what are the one or two things, literally one or two things that you're trying to get out of your personal life and your professional life? So it could be as straightforward as you want to spend more time with your family. You want to be there for drop off or pickup. You want to integrate, you know, working out or quote unquote self-care during the work weeks, during the day, naming the thing that you cannot live without versus what you wish for will actually help you distinguish between your hard and your soft boundaries. So they give an exercise in this article that could potentially help. And I think this will be really great. So it's a visualization exercise. So I I really, truly want all of you to do this. So imagine that your life as it is right now is no longer possible. You get laid off. Your business shuts down. You can't live in the town that you live in. Your partner breaks up with you. You're forced to change careers. Everything is gone. Everything is gone. What would you do next? what would be the things that you miss the most? What would you not miss? What would you feel is the most exciting about this fresh start? What would you feel the saddest about? And I really want you to pick apart if everything changed, how would you feel about every different aspect, every individualized aspect in that scenario? Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, everything. So then it's saying, for example, maybe you would choose a job closer to loved ones if you didn't have to live in the town that you live in right now. Maybe you would miss having a compassionate boss, but not miss consistently working overtime. Maybe you would finally feel free to explore other places, industry, people. So then ask yourself, out of all the things that you listed, which reality can't you live without? Out of all the things that you don't miss, which are you unwilling to go back to? So this exercise helps reveal your high level priorities as well as some lower level aspirations that can be hidden like below your safety net of your comfort zone right now that can really help paint a clear picture of hard and soft boundaries. I think what immediately comes up for me is that it'll likely also reveal things you're currently holding as priority that aren't as important as you might think. Yeah. They are. Yeah. And when that's the case, you can make adjustments because one of the things I've struggled with being in a business partnership, I love being in a business partnership, but Emily and I at the end of the day have different communication styles and we have different optimal work schedules and we have ultimately kind of developed, 
I wouldn't say it's a compromise. Like I think it's a blend and a mesh of both of us. But what was challenging initially was feeling like I was adopting someone else's boundaries. Mm -hmm. And I think oftentimes, even if you're not in a business partnership, when you're new to setting boundaries, you tend to adopt ones that other people talk about commonly because you assume they're necessary for you to continue functioning as the boss, as the CEO. Like you may get really hung up on working hours and that's not actually that important to you. Right. You know, that's just one example. But like, I guarantee you, if you searched business boundaries, you would easily come up with a laundry list. And there's probably things you're assuming for a long time that are important to you. And I want you to really consider what is and what isn't. Because at the end of the day, our values also inform our boundaries here at Boss Project. And I think that has been a much easier setting of expectations because I think before when it just felt random versus now it's tied back to something we truly believe in and feel passionate about, the priorities become way more clear, way more clear. And so for you, I want to like you as in the listener, I want to challenge what you've assumed was necessary and really get to the root of what is going to make you function in the most optimal way. Because most of the time, boundaries are around creating a comfort zone for yourself, but also efficiency and allowing you to prioritize the things that are the most important to you. Yeah. If we go back to the conversation about boundaries are all about who you're giving your power away to setting them and being intentional about where they show up in your life is about conserving your energy, period. We've all (laughs) since 2020 and life just keeps changing. Like I feel like, well, I know research shows insomnia is on the rise. Depression, anxiety is on the rise. Productivity is not on the rise, but a lot of us are still overworked and burnt out and priorities are shifting. Boundaries are the key to getting back to a place where you feel more in alignment. And if we all have our energy tank, even if it's different for all of us, day by day, season by season, life event by life event, if you're aware of that tank and then intentional about how that tank gets dispersed of where that energy goes, then you're going to be able to sleep better, be happier, have more fulfilled relationships, et cetera, but only if you actually prioritize them. Yeah. You know, going back to that visualization exercise, I think there will be things that come up for you that make it really clear what you're also just kind of brushing off and that needs to come up for you in a bigger way. And I think making it like you're saying that having the aspirational versus the hard, the soft versus the hard, like If those things are coming up for you is like, I feel like I want to tweak this thing over here, but like some part of me is still uncomfortable with it. I think it's most of the time because we're afraid to go from non-existent boundary to a hard boundary. Well, yes. And here's exactly how you can bat that. So we love living in facts and feelings, data chase the breadcrumbs, get the receipts, right? Whatever version you want to do. And so I want you to look at these boundaries in the same capacity. So instead of saying, because I think this is the root of what you're getting to, because it's absolutely what our clients have said to us, 
instead of saying when you're trying to make these boundaries, well, isn't it selfish to just focus on what I want? Isn't it selfish to set this boundary? Aren't I going to miss out on something if I set this boundary? Whatever it is that comes up for you, right? Instead, look at the boundaries and setting them and actually applying them as literally just an experiment to gather data. And the questions that you can ask yourself after testing out some boundaries is, did I feel more or less productive at work with this boundary? Was it an appropriate boundary to do the goal that I thought it would do? Am I more or less refreshed in my role as a partner, a friend, a parent? You can always go back to the old way of doing things if this new boundary didn't serve you in the way that you thought it would. Just like Abby was breaking down how one of my firm boundaries wasn't as important to her, and that was fine. She had to do some digging and assess, did me setting that boundary make me feel more or less productive? Did it make me feel more or less refreshed? And if it didn't serve her in the way that it served me, then she doesn't have to hold that boundary like I do. Yeah. And it can be softer or even an alternative version of, and that's okay. You don't have to be, it's not about being the same as someone else to fit the mold of what you think you're supposed to be doing as a CEO. Right. Honestly, it's about what's going to work for you so that you can ultimately hold yourself to a standard that's going to allow you to thrive. Because so much of this comes back to you creating an environment that you're effective in. And when you are missing some of these things, when the boundary is lacking, I see people let things happen to them that make them uncomfortable, that make them frustrated, that make them resentful, that like make them go down a path where they enjoy their job less and less and less. And I promise you so much of this. I mean, sure. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) If you're getting underpaid, we probably need to adjust price. If you have a lack of a client experience or a path or whatever, sure, we need to work on your CRM or your project management. But this is like the very surface level, easy place to start when all of that still feels overwhelming because you'd be surprised how much can be corrected with communication. 100%. Yep. So my homework for you all, not only is to do the visualization exercise, start there to figure out what your high level priorities are so that you can break down some non-negotiable hard boundaries and aspirational soft boundaries. But the actual implementing that follows that is actually testing them. So pick one hard boundary, just one, and test it out. Try it for a week, a month, whatever it is, and then actually go back and look at the results. Treat it like an experiment so that you can see the data that's collected after using that boundary, implementing that boundary to see if it actually had an impact. Test out a soft boundary. How did it feel to be aspirational about where you eventually want to be? How did it feel to create a ramp up plan to eventually make that boundary a real life instance in your work life, in your personal life, whatever it might look like? So what it says here is to go through a cutback experiment. When you're deciding to test a hard boundary, go through a cutback experiment to set hard boundaries to protect them. So that exercise involves limiting tasks, interactions, or activities that are not the best use of your time. Being more selective about what and who you give your energy to allows you to focus only on the items that you give your greatest return on investment. So whether it's greater achievement at work, more happiness at home, or some other reward, you get to pick but you have to cut back in order to allow the boundary to exist. 
Okay. So then when you're testing a soft boundary, I want you to think about your aspirations, the thing that you would like to change, but doesn't necessarily have to change urgently. So maybe you want to eventually get a better night's sleep. So you limit the amount of time you spend on social media, or you spend less office hours answering tedious emails. Are there soft boundaries that you can set to feel more productive, creative, and rested at work and home? Try them out. You can pick one and think that it's going to have this impact. And at the end of a week, two weeks, 30 days, it doesn't go back to it. That's fine. Try a different one and measure the results. Mm -hmm. But you ultimately have to commit. And so after you find the ways to protect your time, energy, and well-being, what did you learn? What are a couple of boundaries that are going to stick that are going to result in stronger returns? So here are some questions. So this says to commit to them for at least one quarter. So if you feel like you can commit to them for three months, I would absolutely do that. January is a great time to start that. Okay. Here's some questions you can ask yourself at the end of that experiment. What positive outcomes have come out of a boundary I have set? What negative outcomes occurred from a boundary? How do I feel now versus at the beginning of this boundary experiment? What do I need to change or adjust to stay on track and address the negative? And finally, what boundaries do I want to stick to? Hard boundaries. And which are more aspirational? Soft boundaries. Because you might get more clarity on what those are after your experiment. I'm excited for you to dig in. Like, this is not new. But I think this is a new way to look at it and a new lens to look at it and spend some time on that visualization exercise. Go back to where we chatted about that pause and think about each question, write some notes, jot some things down, really consider what this would look like for you and then identify which ones you're ultimately going to test and wait. You have to implement these things. You have to implement these things. You're not going to get the data in a week or two weeks. You need time. And I think a quarter is an incredible challenge, but I would say at least 30 days. Yeah. (laughs) And see what happens and let us know. Send us a DM over at Boss Project on Instagram. We'd love to hear which ones you're putting in place, what you're prioritizing, how the visualization exercise sat with you. We'd love to hear from you at Boss Project over on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.